hello and welcome to FSU Conversation, where we highlight FSU School of Communication, its students, alumni, and happenings in the industry. We're your hosts, McKinnon Bell and Sakari Baker. I'm a graduate student in Media Communication Studies. And I'm a graduate student in Public Interest Media and Communications, and we're both Director's Ambassador for the School of Communication. On this episode of FSU Conversation, we are discussing social psyche with Dr. Katherine Dale. Dr. Dale, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule, especially as we approach final season. I know this time of the year is chaotic for everyone, so anyone tuning into this episode as well, thank you for tuning in amidst your busy schedule and maybe using this as a study break. So, Dr. Dale, for our guests who don't previously know you, could you please take a minute to introduce yourself? Sure. So, my name is Dr. Katie Dale and I'm an assistant professor in the School of Communication at Florida State University. Um, And my research is in the area of positive media psychology. And I'm primarily interested in understanding sort of what are the positive effects that media can have on our well-being and on pro-social behaviors and the way that we see and interact with the world. Okay, so with that being said, looking at the type of research that you do, what made you want to fall into teaching? That's a really good question. And I actually had no intention of ever being a teacher. <laughs> I am, my mother is a teacher, my grandmother, my great grandmother, and my, uh, let's see, mother, grandmother, great grandmother, great great grandmother, all teachers. Um, so I grew up knowing what a difficult profession it can be. And I always said, that's, that's not the field for me. I will not be a teacher. I will do something else. I will uh, be any, anything but a teacher. Um, And then I, after graduating from college, got a grant to teach high school in South Korea. And it was just a one-year thing. I never intended for it to be uh, anything permanent whatsoever, but I found that I really enjoyed it. And I came back to the States and didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought, "Eh, maybe I'll go back to grad school. Maybe I'll just do, uh, who knows what I want to do. And so I went back to working at my summer camp that I'd worked at for a very long time and worked there as a year-round employee and realized what I really enjoyed doing was working with the college age and graduate school age populations at camp and teaching them uh, in their orientations and helping them kind of find their passions at camp. And so between teaching high school and then working with uh, children and young people at camp, I realized I think this is actually what I might want to do with my life. And so I said, okay, fine, I'll be a teacher. (laughs) Come from a long lineage. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. That is such a fun backstory. And going to Korea for a year, that sounds really, really cool. Um, That is something I've looked into those too, those grants to go abroad. And also when I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do after I graduate. I'm not going to be a teacher, but who knows now? A cautionary tale, really, (laughs) of all of us who like academia a little too much. But with that, you are, Sakari and I both have you in class. I guess I should preface this for our listeners who do not know the situation outside of school, um, which is part of the reason we're really excited to be able to talk to you outside of class a little bit. Um, And we're both in, for our listeners, uh, social media campaigns which is one of the most popular classes in the School of Communication. It is hard to get into. I know it is a fight to get a seat in that class every semester. 
no joke, this is like my third semester trying to get into the class and I finally got it because it was the first one I went to register for and I was like, win! I was so excited to get in it. So I can say, and I know Sakari would agree with me, that that class is amazing and it's such a joy being in your class and getting to have you as a professor. And it's so funny then to hear you rewind and be like, I never thought this was going to be my path because now you teach probably like one of the most popular courses within the School of Communication. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that course and why you think it's so popular with students and what you think that course adds to a student's professional resume. Yeah, well, thank you so much for your kind words about it. Um, I think that what really connects with students is that it's so relevant to everything that's going on just in the world right now regarding any sort of aspect of communication. So if you wanna go into marketing, you need to have an understanding of social media. If you wanna go into uh, you know, a different sort of PR route, you need to have an understanding of social media. If you just wanna understand how people communicate in the world, you need to have an understanding of what's happening with social media. And so I think people really enjoy that relevance, that aspect of this is something that I experience in my daily life, both personally and professionally uh, on an everyday level. So I think that it's also uh, such a popular course because it's very applied. It's one of the uh, courses in the department that takes the theoretical side of things and takes the applied side of things and really puts them together in a meaningful way so that you can say, here's the research behind why these social media campaigns might work in this way. And here's what it looks like when I put this into practice. Because a lot of times in academia, we sort of get one or the other. We get these wonderful theory-based courses that help you learn how to think about things, learn how to kind of understand uh, different ways to see the world, different um, things that might be occurring in the world. And then we have these wonderful applied classes that teach you how to do these sort of hard skill things. Uh, but this one sort of meets in the middle where you get a little bit of the best of both worlds. What I hope that students take from this is the experience of actually learning how to create a campaign so that you can put on your resume that you understand how to do a social media audit, that you understand how to do social listening and that sort of thing which are both really good hard skills for employers. Um, on the flip side of this, it's also entirely okay with me if at the end of this class, a student says, you know what, I, this was a great class, I loved it, I never wanna do social media stuff again, <laughs> because this class can also provide a really good safe space for students to sort of try this on as a potential career, to understand, okay, there's a lot more that goes into social media than I would have expected. and so. Maybe people think, oh, this is something I love to do every day. This, maybe I could do this for a, a career. And then you realize, wow, there's just a lot more to this than I thought there was going to be. And I don't enjoy it. That's, that's totally fine with me too. So I think that, um, you know, you come out with these wonderful hard skills, but you also come out with an understanding of, is this the career path for me? Or am I just going to leave this to somebody else and respect the work that goes into it from afar? I like how you said is this is like an a, a applied class because I feel like my professors that were the most like impressionable on me like you and Dr. Graves it was because the classes were like I don't want to say like hands on but it's like I can obviously look at this and see how I can correlate this to the real world rather than like when you take content analysis and some of those like more stat based classes kind of like oh it's just the numbers. <laughs> But I, I kind of want to go back to um, your interest in 
positive media psychology. So for our listeners, could you kind of explain more what that is? Absolutely. So positive media psychology is a really interesting area of media effects research. It sort of sounds like it should be the psychology of positive media, but what it actually is, is the combination of media psychology research. It takes media psychology, which is the psychology of the media and trying to understand sort of what happens to us when we are consuming media, and it pairs it together with the idea of positive psychology which is focused more on well-being and understanding sort of what it means to live a good life and sort of at the most basic sense. And so it takes these things and puts them together. So how can we live a good life with media? What does it mean to uh, look at these positive media effects in terms of well-being, in terms of our interactions with each other, in terms of in terms of our interactions with the world? And so it takes this sort of traditionally and historically negative uh, understanding of media effects and looks at the flip side and says, okay, well, we know that there can be negative effects of the media, but can there also be positive effects? Can it help us to connect with other people? Can it change our attitudes towards others? Can it make us uh, learn how to be more grateful or experience uh, self-transcendent emotions and to look at this more positive side of media effects? I think that's a wonderful perspective to take, especially since I feel like our generation has grown up so much with the fear of social media kind of pushed onto us, the dangers, the worries, especially the generation after us. I know they refer to as like the iPad generation now and everyone's worried about how that's going to turn out. And I think we hear so much about the negative effects of media, especially my mind goes to social media and how much people say that's messing up or ruining our generation. Uh, not to sound dramatic, but it's definitely a phrase I think most of the listeners out there, no matter what generation you're in, have heard that social media is detrimental to the youth. Um, so what are some ways then, kind of mixing your experience teaching the social media class and your interest in positive media psychology, what are some positive effects that you think like social media has on our generation or on people as whole? It doesn't have to just be us young ones. <laughs> Yes, I think one really powerful uh, aspect of social media is the ability to be exposed to different people's stories. So the ability to see people who are different from you and to build either a sort of parasocial relationship, so one that's really kind of one-sided imagined relationship with them, or even actual relationships with them. Um, so to be able to build relationships with people who are different than you that you might not have access to in your everyday life. So maybe you um, haven't met a lot of people who are different from your racial or ethnic group. Maybe you're not around a lot of people who have a different sexual orientation than you do. And so if you can hear people's stories and get to know who they are as people, that's going to uh, open up your mind to the possibility of interacting with them, of being friends with them, and it's going to improve these intergroup relations. Now, that's a very rosy picture. Um, we know that that's not always going to be the case, but I think there is a wonderful capacity with social media for that to occur. And we do have evidence that suggests that these types of positive intergroup interactions can lead to more positive outgroup attitudes. Uh, the question is sort of under what circumstances might this work 
I might it might it be affected. So that's one positive thing. I also think that social media has an incredible, incredible ability to mobilize people in a way that uh, is faster than ever before. Um, there's We still have to overcome the barriers to action that we talk about in the social media class all the time. Uh, but I think that there is a, a wonderful ability of social media to help us to overcome some of those barriers in a way that's unique. Um, and I have a very silly example for you. So uh, it can sometimes just take one video, one single video to change someone's whole mindset about something. And so um, McKinnon, I'm thinking maybe you are the, the best bet for having seen this video, but there was a video um, maybe a week ago, maybe two weeks ago of a woman talking about trapped water. I don't know if this came across any of your uh, any of your TikTok things, um, but I saw this woman. She was talking about how she always dumps water or liquids out of plastic bottles um, because she's worried about the water being taken out of the ecosystem. So uh, out of the um, basically being put out of commission by being trapped in plastic, uh, and it went viral. And I would say it was kind of in the mid range of virality. You know, we're not talking a hundred million views, but we're talking enough that other people were talking about it. Um, and with this single video, this woman has sparked this entire conversation about what healthy water ecosystems look like and what uh, what we can do to help this trapped water. And I just saw a TikTok um, maybe yesterday where I was a woman saying, I don't know about you, but this trapped water is now my Roman empire, referring to, I can't stop thinking about this. It's just on my mind all the time. Um, and. I share this example because it was so true for me because now I see these water bottles and I want to go free the water. So it just takes this one video to have a massive impact on the way that people think about things, the way the actions that people want to take. Now, again, this is a, a very rosy picture of things. There are negative effects of media and social media, but I, I just love this possibility that you could, you're just sort of one video away from changing a person's whole way that they're thinking about it. I love how social media now is like a different form of like advocacy and like campaigning for things. Like when you were talking, I don't know why I thought about like, what would it have been like if social media was around when everybody wanted SeaWorld to free Willy? Like what would that have looked like on social media? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, like it just makes you think about campaigning or like awareness back then and like how companies are using social media now and how it's like so broad and it reaches so many different people through like this fairly new channel but being that you have a strong interest in research in positive media psychology and social media how does that personally affect how you consume media and are you able to use it as like outlet or does it always feel like work when you're on it Hmm. That's a really good question. I think it depends a lot on which platform it is. So um, there are some platforms that lend themselves much better to relaxation or to entertainment for me. Um, and then some of them I only really use because I feel like I need to understand what's going on with them. So that if I have a student group that's asking, oh, hey, how do we use this specific platform to do this? Or do you have any examples of this that I'm prepared to answer those questions? Because social media changes so often that um, this is not a class that I can, you know, get set up and then teach the same way for the next five years. I have to always 
be aware of what's going on and always update this class. But that being said, I, I think I probably consume media relatively normally with the exception of uh, a lot of times when I'm watching things. Uh, if something is makes me think in a certain way or um, sparks some connection with my research, I sort of make a mental note of, oh, this might be a really good stimuli for a study. Or, hey, I wonder sort of what's happening. Why, why is this making me think this? Why is this making me feel this way? And it makes me then think, oh, I could, I could design something to try to figure this out. So I would say it's like a normal person consuming media, except like nerd level when it comes to thinking uh, uh, sort of on the um, higher, uh, higher side of things of how is this, how is this affecting me? How is this affecting other viewers and that sort of thing? I think that's so <laughs> fascinating because I feel like even when I go into social media and I don't do a lot of research around social media, but I manage multiple social media accounts and I'll see things and I'll be like oh I'm just scrolling through my TikTok for fun and I'll see a video and I won't like it or anything like it'll go out of my brain and then I'll go back to work the next day I'll be thinking of a campaign and then that video that I did not like pops back into my brain and then I have to go back to my like everything I've viewed in TikTok and scroll through all the stuff I've watched I'm like oh my gosh how much stuff that I watched that I don't even remember till I find this one video and I feel like even when my brain is going into relaxation mode no matter what the platform it still lives there like and it comes back to it in terms of like what do I pull for research um what do I pull for the next campaign so I try to go into relaxation mode with it but it's just not fair I don't think <laughs> I think when I use social well not even I, I think I like I don't know if you guys use like the bookmark feature on TikTok but you know you can make like different categories of like bookmarks so i use that a lot so i'll see something and be like oh that would be interesting if i was in that headspace right now but i'll bookmark it and i'll watch it later so like i think i'm really good at like i would it be like checks and balances or like com compartmentalizing like how i scroll social media but i think i'm like that in my life too and like um a lot of people don't know this but me and dr dale were pregnant at the same time like our kids aren't that far apart in age. And it just made me think about like, when it comes to like compartmentalizing and juggling, how do you juggle being a professor while also like maintaining your personal life and being a mom? Cause it is so hard doing it as just a student. So I can only imagine like, what it's like doing it as a professor. It's incredibly difficult. And I wish that I had a really good answer for you that I could say, Here, here's what I've done and it's totally worked and it's amazing. Um, but I don't have it figured out yet. <laughs> I'm still still working on that. I would say that it helps uh, immensely to have an incredibly supportive partner who helps me to uh, balance out finding time to do work things and then also saying, hey, you know, let's let's not miss this incredible thing that's going on with our daughter. Um, and so it's it's really helpful to have a wonderful partner who supports me. Um, and then it's also just a lot of doing whatever I can with time management. Um, and I have to give a shout out to the uh, scheduling feature on Outlook for sending emails because when I'm awake at weird hours and uh, trying to respond to emails at midnight or at five o'clock in the morning when she has me up, uh, I can schedule it so that people don't think that I'm responding at very weird hours and they can uh, receive those emails at totally normal business hours. Um, so. Yeah, I wish I wish I had a better answer for you, but it's just uh, doing doing what has to be done at any point in time. I like that because I I can't remember if I told you or not because I think by the time I had my son, 
you had already been on maternity leave. Mm -hmm. So literally I had a baby and then I came right, I had him December 23rd and I started school in the spring. So literally started school at home on Zoom with a newborn. And I was like, I don't know why I did this. I don't, I don't know why, why I did this to myself, but I completely understand with the supportive partner, not just the supportive partner, but like having a really good support system because there are many times it's like, oh my God, I have this assignment due, have this assignment due. My son is a mama's boy. He wants to live, breathe in my skin. So it's like, somebody please just get the baby and distract him for a little while so I can get these few things done. Mm -hmm. So I just, I really wanted to get your perspective on that. Cause I know, well, I don't know how it is from your perspective, but I can sympathize and empathize with it because we were kind of on the same track. <laughs> Yeah, and you'll notice there's no screaming in the background right now or anybody trying to come in this door behind me, uh, which means that my husband has taken our daughter out and about for this uh, for this podcast recording. <laughs> I have to say, I got the chance to meet her yesterday. Yes, that was yesterday. That feels so long ago. And she was so cute. She was Thank just you. adorable. Um, and I love that you brought up the scheduling feature because you're better than I am if I am up at three in the morning I will just send it then and I will just I'm like when they see it they see it I'll be the first one in their inbox so I should probably use the scheduling feature a little bit more I don't even have a kid to keep me up I'm just up at that hour for who knows why um so it goes sometimes but maybe I should and I, I, I primarily use it because and it sort of depends on who it is right mm -hmm. so I primarily use it to respond to student emails because it sends a different message when your professor responds to you at mm -hmm. one o'clock in the morning and makes it feel a sense of urgency that is definitely not the case and so <laughs> I always have try to think like I don't want people to think that, that I expect them to be doing stuff right now um so if it's somebody who I know keeps weird hours oh just send it out and it's fine no it doesn't matter what time it shows up but if it's somebody for whom I'm worried they will think it's an emergency <laughs> scheduling with my best friend <laughs> that is so smart I always send really long emails too so I'm like you know what it's some nightly reading for them it'll be great <laughs> um and so that was our last really big question and here on FSU conversation we always like to end with some fun rapid fire questions not that not talking about how cute your daughter is isn't a fun question to end on um, but just a few things that help our listeners get to know you kind of outside the context of what we've been talking about or fun questions that kind of build on that so mm -hmm. with that are you ready for our first rapid fire question absolutely okay do you have a favorite social media platform absolutely tiktok Hands down. Anybody who's taken social media, actually anybody who's taken any of my classes in the last couple of years uh, is definitely going to know that. <laughs> That's okay, so what's your most interesting social media trend? Can I say my favorite one right now? Because I don't, I don't know if I can do interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, my favorite one, one right now is Susie Pesto Stitches, uh, by far. The, um, the, I, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this. Okay, okay, so this is a girl named Susie was making pesto one day and she recorded a TikTok and she started off by saying, uh, call me crazy, but I've never liked store-bought pesto. And the stitches cut off there. And again, she's just making pesto. So that, that's, that was the purpose of her video. But now there have, it, it's gone absolutely wild and it cuts off there and then it's people saying things like, Susie, that is crazy let me tell you about this one time and then they tell some story that is just absolutely off the wall or really unexpected or really unusual um and then they usually end it with like 
I don't know if it can top store-bought pesto, but I just wanted to tell you about that story. Uh, and the, the variation in these stories is wild. Um, but what I love about it is, uh, I guess, brings me back to the, the idea that we can use social media to learn other people's stories. Um, and it also allows me to learn about a lot of other people's drama in a very low-key, non-committal way. <laughs> I am gonna have to look this up. See, things like this is why I love the internet. I love when the internet finds some random thing that should never have blown up or ever become a trend and they take it and they just run with it. I feel like that's how we've gotten some of the best memes, some of the best trends, or the things that should have never blown up in the first place and now they're everywhere. I don't know how I haven't seen that yet too. I'm so like chronically on TikTok. I feel out of the loop now. I'm just what was that phrase it was like back in 2020 where it's like you're on different sides of tiktok um i don't know what side of tiktok i'm on now but i have missed this pesto drama i'm on the the bean soup side of tiktok i don't know if anyone's seen that um, no, oh real quick it's this girl who was talking about when she's cramped she makes like this bean soup and then everyone in the comment was like but if i don't like beans what do i make it with and then everyone oh, got yes. mad and they're like if you don't like beans don't make bean soup and i was so entertained it's still going and it's brought up like this great conversation of like it's not about you on social media all the time um going back to listening to other people's stories so i that's where i've been is on bean soup tiktok um, <laughs> and then completely unrelated to bean soup TikTok, but our last question is unrelated to all of this. And it's, what is your favorite activity to do with your family? Being outside, anything outside with them. So, uh, these days it's a lot of going to the park, uh, and taking Piper to the playground. Um, but I also, we go to the beach whenever we can, go hiking whenever we can, spend a lot of time in our backyard. So anytime we get to be outside, I think we're all a little bit happier. That's so wonderful. Are you guys enjoying the cooler weather or do you like when it's hot? I would like it to be neither. I would like it to be, <laughs> I, I'm like the Goldilocks and the Three Bears. I would like it to be exactly right for me. <laughs> That's so funny. I only ask because I'm freezing. I can't take this weather. Um, but that is officially all the questions that we have for you today. So thank you so much for taking the time again to come and talk to us. I really hope our listeners get to walk away with something, maybe some new insight on the media they consume, or just even our growing and changing relationship with media in general. It's something, like you said, every semester that you teach the class, it alters and changes a little bit. And something we'll never fully have a complete grasp on, but it's fun at least to get to know a little bit more behind the scenes about how it's affecting us, how we're interacting with it, and how it's shaping us. Um, is there anything else you would like to say to our listeners or anyone before we wrap up today? Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been a pleasure and we look forward to seeing you in class tomorrow. <laughs> Always a good time. Well, thank you so much and thank you so much to everyone who was listening today. And we will be wrapping up for the semester soon, but no worries. We will be back in the spring with more podcast episodes for all of you. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>